Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Today y Manana. I'm Alex. This is Xavier. We're very excited to have you joining us on a nice, warm morning here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Spectacular day. Spectacular day. I love of, these kinds of days. I think it'll be a nice day. It, it didn't strike me as too humid. I mean, like, there's, you know, there's humid It's been where, worse. That's right. It's yeah, been worse. There's, yeah, there's humid where, like, it's typical Charlottesville, and then there's humid where you walk out the door and there's no air. It's, like the, it's been right. replaced by water. You're, like, swimming. To the car through, through the air, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's uh, it's going to be a great day, a perfect day to grab your café on leche. It can be an iced café on leche. We're, we're permitting that now. Uh, At least for now, until until, for now. until you know winter. Then exactly. I know you're going to scratch that out. Exactly. So you got your iced café on leche, your cozy spot, wherever is comfortable for you. You should be watching outside. You can be listening. We are on so many channels at this point. We're on Facebook. We are on LinkedIn. We are on, uh, you can listen to us later, for those of you listening later, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Instagram. How about this so, thread thing? Is I don't that, know if we're on threads yet. I don't know if I mean, we're live streaming to threads yeah, yet. Yeah, I, I like, am. Uh, I know even about thread already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, knowing, works, knowing Nick, he's so ahead of things. Nicholas, our CMO, that uh, he's probably already well, wait, tweeting from us on threads. That's his job. I mean, don't give him all those kudos. That's his job. Well, I'm right? saying he's probably already like tweets or whatever it is, threads. <laughs> threads. From today, manana on threads. But... Uh, I'm not sure we're live streaming there yet. You know, dude is like, you know, give me, give me a year to learn this thing. Give me five days to learn how to do it. Dude is like, but uh, we had a great show lined up for oh, everyone today. We're going to be joined shortly by Chrissy Munich. She's the owner of Good Times Only Virginia. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to be welcome Brennan Gould. She's the president and CEO of Charlottesville Area Community Foundation. And last but certainly not least, uh, we're going to be joined by Alec Trader. He is the director of Tosca for Charlottesville Opera, uh, which is tomorrow is night show. and Sunday wow. afternoon. So it's here. It's here. If you have not gotten tickets yet, you can go to charlettesvilleopera.org or the Paramount Theater and get it's your worth tickets. It. It's, it's worth it. It's it very really much is. worth it. As someone who uh, went to go see Guys and Dolls, the, they, they did the musical right. a few weeks ago before that. It is very much worth it. They put on one head of a production at Charlottesville Opera. So it is, it is a lot of fun, and this is a very and I heard drama. I heard it's good. I, mean, I heard a review. We, we had inside information. I heard a review from a certain little bird who told me that it is excellent. Yes. So be sure to check that out. As always, love being here on the LFC Evil Network set with Judah behind the camera. A uh, couple thank yous. Always love being presented by our partner at Emergent Financial Services and our good friends at Castle Hill Cider, Matias Yon Realty, Charlottesville Opera, Credit Serious Insurance, and Forward Adelante, the premier Latino networking group here in Charlottesville, Virginia. So I don't know about you, but I, I am thrilled to just jump right Absolutely. in. Absolutely. And if you, if you want, you can always like the show, share the show, and even subscribe. Right? Yep. Send us any comments, questions. We've already got some people. I'm done for the day. Yeah, you see. You're done. You're done. That was, done. That was all you needed. We already got some people uh, watching this morning. I know uh, Nick Erpy, as usual, is watching. Uh, Dr. Elizabeth Erpy is watching this morning. So thank you for, for joining us. So it's going to be a fantastic one. And let's, let's jump right into it. We're excited to welcome to the show this morning Chrissy Munich. She is the owner of Good Times Only here in Virginia. Chrissy, thanks so Good much morning, for joining Chrissy. us. Good morning, Chrissy. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me back. That's great. It's great to have you back. So for, all right. So for anyone who wasn't here a year ago when we uh, and saw me lots, fiddling around with those things. And, and, and so I did your the right some, ones. Like, Whoa, some silent disco. Tell us a little bit about. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself and Good Times Only. So I started an entertainment company a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. We primarily focus on silent discos, which is basically a dance party where instead of music playing from big speakers, everybody gets a pair of wireless headphones. The headphones have multiple channels, so you can actually change the music you're listening to. Everyone on. Each channel is listening to the same thing. So if you see anybody on the red channel, everyone on red's on the same song. Everyone on the green channel is on the same song, and so on. There's also volume control, so you have customized volume to your liking, and it just creates a really fun environment for everybody. It gets to kind of pick the way you want to party. So I'm curious about one thing, right? So let's say you have a partner, and you're listening, and yours is red, and hers is you know blue or green or whatever. I wonder. Does I wonder how that works. That right? happens a Does lot. Does it really? Yes. Because he's lit. I guess they're both still dancing, but you it's know, gotta be the, the beats. It's got to be gotta be funny, right? It's got to be good. Yes. Watching the silent disco is almost as fun as participating in the silent disco. <laughs> that's absolutely, gonna be a, that's gonna be a blast, right? Well, you know, the different tunes and a lot of fun, and we tested it last year. I know, yeah, exactly. Demo, yeah. and it's 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 a lot of fun. So, what's I mean, it's always love to have. I love having people back because year ago you had just started, really getting into it. 
What's it like a year into into business? Yeah, so I was thinking about it. The last time I was on, I believe, was February of last year. Mm-hmm. I had just done my very first event with the Boys and Girls Club. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now we've done just about 50 events. Wow. Uh, and counting. Wow. <laughs> it's been a lot of learning and a lot of growth. We have since upped our amount of headphones. We moved out of my closet and into an office space. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been fun. Um, and yeah, so now we have a whole bunch of equipment that I get a trailer and haul the equipment to venues when we wow. have big events. Um, we've partnered with a bunch of venues in town. We have a large DJ network from all over Virginia up into D.C., and we're just really trying to bring some fun to as many people as possible. Absolutely, and that's one of the cool things is that it's not as though it's good times only or a DJ. Like, you could partner your DJ with, you know, and have, have things mixed up and, and so forth. Absolutely. Which is, which is really cool. And the equipment, I mean, the equipment they have must be, you know, incredible. So, I mean, they, can, they could probably just rent out maybe the equipment, right, and then... You know, other times you have the whole kit and caboodle. Now, do you ever find yourself in a situation where it's silence dancing, but maybe eventually somewhere along the line they say, can we just have this thing full blast, you know? We have seen kind of reverse. So some places have uh, noise ordinances. So we've done oh. regular DJ for like the first half okay. and then switch it over to the silent disco for the evening. Um, so that you can, you know, keep the party going gotcha, without gotcha. disturbing the neighbors. That's very smart. Oh, that's, that's very, very smart. Very clever. Yeah, that makes total clever. sense. Yep, it's a pretty seamless switch for the DJs. You know, just one plug that goes into the speaker. You just switch it and you plug it into the silent disco transmitter, and your silent is going. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. That's a great so idea. What yeah. are some of the different types? Just now you've grown, you got some more. What are the different types of events, parties, people can can work with you on? Um, so for our public events, we have different venue partners. So Firefly, we have a monthly mm-hmm. residency at Firefly Restaurant. We've been at Pro Reynada a handful of times, Quirk Hotel, and um, Pro Reynada in Crozet. Okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we have some, you know, we're working on some other stuff, so I'll leave that to, to for the future. But um, those are our primary venues that we're working with. And then for our private events, we've done everything from birthdays, weddings, college reunions, camp things, schools, um, what else? I don't know, that's a, a handful for you. Yep, absolutely. And there's the difference, so you can do, I know there's some, there's like rental op, party rental options, but also like full... Like productions, productions. kind of how we call it. Right, so for smaller events, if you just want us to drop off the equipment and pick it up, we offer that. But if you want a more hands-off experience where we come, we set up lighting, we bring the DJ, and we run the show... It's a hands-off experience for the host. We offer that as well. And kind of anything in between, our packages are customizable. So, you know, if you want the DJ but no lighting, we can do that. Mm. If you want the lighting but no management, we can do that. So, Yeah, lots of ways to work and, and get a fun party party going. Absolutely. Now, with respect to the music, um, so do you choose the, the music to go into the different channels? Or is the people that are renting kind of have a selection saying, here, I want this on these particular channels? So, again, customizable. Um, Most people opt to use our music devices. Um, If they want to use their personal devices and have their own music playing, they can certainly do that. Otherwise, we provide our tablets with pre-made playlists. And we kind of work with with the client or the party host to see what kind of music they want on each channel. And then we create playlists for them and that, you know, they can just plug and play. Um, And for our, when we have our staff on site at the parties... And if the venue has Wi-Fi, we can actually take song requests from the guests. And that's oh, always fun and okay, interactive okay. so yeah, that, yeah. you know, people like to contribute. Oh, that's pretty cool. So they don't even have to, it, you, you kind of do away with like the person sneaking up to the DJ and being like, hey, can you play this song? You can do it. Yeah, we do it on a QR code just to, you know, streamline everything. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty neat. Wow. Pretty, yeah, that's you pretty, get the yeah. song request in quickly, and you don't have to even stop dancing. You can just be right, dancing right like dance quickly <laughs> and say, yeah, play this song. This is a and good one. You'll hear them like, oh, I requested this. This is my song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's got to be great. Uh, a couple more shout-outs. Brianna Field watching the show this morning. Virgil Velasco. Gracias por uh, encontrar. Por ver. Por ver. Exactly. It works. It all works. It all works. Thanks for joining us, Virgil. Um, curious for um, a first year, because you know, going from like having your first event to now you've got 50 in the books, what have been some of the like challenges but opportunities like of, of seeing that kind of growth in 
what a year and a few months yeah um so it was it's been a little scary mm-hmm. uh i kind of just had to continue continuously taking leaps of faith mm-hmm. in like the product and the service and my ability to provide the service mm-hmm. um it's the hardest thing that I'm dealing with right now is juggling my full-time job because I still work mm-hmm. corporate nine-to-five. Uh, grateful that overall it's pretty flexible. I'm here today at 10 o'clock, so they you know, let me kind of adjust my hours as mm-hmm. needed, um, which I definitely take advantage of that, especially for like the Friday events. Yep. Given that most of our events are on weekends, it's not too much of a problem, but a lot of the back-end communications with clients and venues, as inquiries are coming in, it's hard to keep up with that demand. Yep. Um, which brings me to another struggle of hiring. Yep. Trying to find people to help is mm-hmm. hard. Finding good help is hard. We do have a couple of uh, lovely people that help us out, um, passing out headphones at our events, um, but definitely looking to continue that team growth to help mm-hmm. offload some of the work I'm managing. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be a full-time, working working one full-time and then on the weekend. I mean, obviously, it's something that you enjoy enormously, but Absolutely. still, that's, that's it's, work. It's very much... The amount of time I put into it is the amount I get out of it. Right. And when I'm busy at my corporate job, I can see the lacking in good times only. Yeah. And I'm putting it on myself, and I'm trying to juggle it. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and we're in the, like, growth delegation phase. Like, okay, what can I – who can I hire? What what tasks can I right. give them? I know – And still trying to enjoy life in the summer especially. Exactly. <laughs> well, then I guess sometimes you also have the desire, like, you want to be there also yourself because you enjoy watching it and, and yeah. being part of it. Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's always a, a tough part. How do you – how have you been balancing kind of the – like, okay, I have all these, you know, the inquiries and the entrepreneur side with the, the you know, just the, I love doing the silent disco part side. Uh, time blocking is definitely something I rely on. So I'll wake up early if I have to or, you know, stay up late if I have to and just get, like, tasks done and I try to chunk them up. Like, I know this is going to take me an hour. All right, I'll deal with that between this time frame um, and really utilizing those weekends as well. At this point, I don't really have days off, but it's overall it's worth it, and I know that it's building yep. to something. So hopefully, in the future, I won't be having to work every day. Um, <laughs> and I'm hoping to be able to, you know, drop my corporate job at least part time, you know, within the next year. So maybe next year when you have me back on, there you go. We'll, we'll have a new story for you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That'd be great. Now, with regard to, um, I had a question and went out right smack right out of my head. It'll come back, I'm sure. It'll come back right right before you you were right, halfway right. there. You said, <laughs> you said with regard oh, yeah. to No, I know, and then all of a sudden it stopped. Um, <laughs> it vanished on you. Yeah. It vanished yeah. on you. But that's really that's interesting because you know it's as you grow there is that part of okay, how do I manage the different aspects of it? You remember? It came back. Ah, okay, good. <laughs> no, it's marketing. So from a marketing point of view, I mean, do you actually, um, is it word of mouth or do you yourself have to go out in different places and talk about what you do? I would say primarily we utilize Facebook ads for our uh, public mm-hmm. events, trying okay. to sell tickets. Mm-hmm. Our private events, that's really all been organic, word of mouth okay. and, uh, you know, SEO, my, my partner, he's... Mm-hmm very in tuned with all of that marketing lingo and has helped me out on my website. We built a Richmond page and a Washington DC page. And so we're getting traffic there. Um, That's a long ride to go and do parties there. I suspect. It's worth it if it's, you know, a good size party and we Mm -hmm. have some uh, DJs based in there. So they might be able to run the party without me being there and we'll just kind of meet halfway pass them the headphones and they can run the party. So um, yeah, it's really simple equipment. Really anybody could do it. I think that's one of the beauties of it, that it's not, even when I, from the perspective of the, of the club, the customer, like the person participating, it's super easy to use. I mean, you hooked, I remember when you came last year, I mean, you hooked that thing up in a matter of seconds and got it connected, got it on here, and it was yeah. just clicking the button. Clicking the different, to, yeah. No, that part, is, yeah, yeah. that part is yep. easy. We, uh, we've had kids as young as three years old enjoy our silent discos, and they catch on to the, the headphones in a second. Yeah, um, and they must love the light, the fact that it lights up with a different oh, yeah. color. And we have a bubble machine now. The kids love oh. the bubble machine. <laughs> uh, uh, that really, that really adds to it. What are, out of curiosity, what are some of the different? Because disco obviously could have so many accoutrements to it. What are some of like the extra machines and the extras that that are there? Uh, so right now we have a bunch of lighting 
we do our disco ball simulators, which is not a disco ball, but it gives you that same effect of that rotating light. Um, and then we also have our rave package, which is a five-in-one gig bar, and that'll give you the moving heads, the lasers, the strobes, oh. kind of more of that like party effect. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also have simple up lights, which you've probably seen at like weddings and stuff, mm -hmm. where you just kind of light up the room, up the walls. Yep. Um, and then we have our bubble machine and our haze machine. Um, besides our lighting, we have LED accessories. So think like glow sticks, LED foam mm. batons. We have glow-in-the-dark cat ears, necklaces, like little accessories to kind yeah. of, you know, get the crowd excited mm -hmm. and give them little props to dance with. Oh, that's a lot of fun. That's, yeah, a lot fun. Of different... that is fun. Yeah, absolutely. Man, so it's true when you talked about like customizing it. It can be customized like down to the T. Like, right. If you want, want it all big and bang, we can do that. If you just want something like affordable and fun, we can also do that. That's that's impressive. That really you is. Yeah. I like that's the amazing. simulated disco ball because I was thinking to myself like, <laughs> There's do you disco have ball, a that's disco what you like. ball that you like bring to I haven't been able to figure out how to hang a disco ball a disco in ball. various locations, yeah. like reliably. Mm -hmm. Also, storing and transporting. A 36-inch ball yeah. is a little bit difficult. Um, so these simulators are doing the trick so far. Yeah, it's, no, it's wow. neat that you yeah, can absolutely. basically have the effect of a disco ball without having to lug around and hang up a disco ball. I would say, there's no way. How would you like hang it in all these places? But I see the pictures, and I'm like, it looks like there's a disco ball there because you see the lights That's movies. what we're going for. Absolutely. So it, it comes out fantastic. Lucrecio Morales, muchísimas gracias uh, por ver. You know, watching the show this morning from Sombreros, Sombreros. right here in the, on the downtown. I always love our fans uh, joining us. I can see, I think there's another, uh, that we got another person uh, watching here. Oh, I think we have a question, actually. Let's see. We got a question here on the, uh, on the Knit, on the Knit Irpy Facebook page. Where, where are we here? I'm going to. Don't tell me it's from me. You just yelled it out. What? Did, I know, I know. He did. No, but he, he enjoys it. So Candice, <laughs> Candice talks uh, great questions. She says, what is the age range and the types of music choices that you have? So, San Francisco's are for all ages. Like I said, the youngest we've had was three. I don't really ask adults their age, but one woman... <laughs> shared with me that she's 70 and she enjoyed our silent disco mm -hmm. and she invited her senior center group of gals to our events That's as well awesome. so really all ages um some of our events are family friendly some of our events are 18 plus 21 plus kind of depending mm -hmm. on the venue we're working with mm -hmm. but for private events all ages however if you yeah. have a wedding with kids or if you have a birthday party with all ages this is actually a great option because you're able to give the like a specific channel that the kid that you know the kids will like right. a specific channel that you know the older folk mm -hmm. will like um and we kind of depending on where we're partying we kind of adjust our types of music to mm -hmm. tailor it to who's going to be there who's there probably the senior sense is one that used the disco ball i bet uh, <laughs> yeah we like for our old folks the 60s 70s 80s you know yeah. that Motown, oh, absolutely yeah exactly fun, yeah yeah all that good stuff yeah absolutely what's well, great stuff what, you mean and really for um one of the best parts, I think, is for a wedding perspective, I know one of the, you know, having planned events and stuff, one of the number one things that comes out of wedding is, oh, the music was too loud, or this person was like, oh, no, I, I liked it that loud because I was on the dance floor, I really wanted to feel it. But the beauty of something like this is, like, it's always the right, like, you can adjust it level, how, you however adjust loud it. as you want. Yeah. Those things get loud. You won't be able to hear people talking around you if you have it blasted. If you bring it down, you can certainly still have a conversation yeah. and hear the music. Exactly. So if you if you want to dance, but you're like, I just don't like super loud, like yeah. eardrum splitting. It's your own volume set. So you you and everyone else to be dancing to the exact same song, and each of you is hearing it at the exact volume that, that you like. That, yeah. that you like. And yeah. then if you take it off and go sit at your table. You can have a complete conversation exactly. in here. You hear people singing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Working the events, I've gotten used to having one ear on, one ear off, so that I can still, you know, conversate and pass out the headphones and do what I need to do. And so you, so you can hear what it sounds like with everyone dancing. Absolutely. Oh, um, I think uh, uh, one of our guests also said it also solves the uh, problem of who sits too close to the speakers at the wedding. So yeah, like, good point. Yeah. Good point. You know, Johnny Ornelas. He's uh, sharing. He's sharing the show. He listens. He listened to Xavier say like and share, and the great man that he is, he, he shared it. Uh, <laughs> owner of uh, El Mariachi on Zion's Crossroads, joining us. 
So Prissy, this has been absolutely fantastic. I love learning more. I feel like every time you come back, I'm like, oh wow, there's so much more that we can do. So most important question probably for people who have been watching this and like, okay, I need to, I need to either go to one of the, these events, what are some of the upcoming events, and where can people get in touch? All right, you? so this month we actually have four public events, awesome. that, so hopefully you're able to make it to one of them. Uh, tomorrow, Friday, we'll be at um, Cork Hotel from 8 nice. to 11. Saturday, we'll be at Zocalo from 10.30 to 1.30 in the morning for our late night partiers. Nice. Um, and then the 28th, We'll be at Pro Reynada. That's our family-friendly event. So grab your kids and head out over there from 5.30 to 11. And then the 29th, which is a Saturday, we'll be at Firefly. That one's 18 up. And we also are doing dance classes. Um, awesome. I am a dancer at heart. And yeah. at our parties, I dance. People have seen me, and they ask if I teach. So I'm starting to teach now. Um, <laughs> so you can find that. We'll be at the McGuffey Art Center in July and August. All tickets will be found on goodtimesonlyva.com slash events. Um, and our Instagram is goodtimesonlyva. You can find updates all over there. And that's that's pretty much where our primary socials are. That's awesome. That's all the dance gotta let the good sounds. times roll, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We're always talking to people, right? What's there to do in the summer at Chargeville, but this is it. Yeah. This is it. Have a good time. Absolutely. <laughs> That's, what you That's our goal. Provide opportunities to have fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ah, oh, Chrissy, always Chrissy, a pleasure to have absolutely. you on. Thanks for coming so back. So happy to hear things are going well, too. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you, you know? so much for having me back. Yep. Same, same time next year. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out what happens. All right. All right. Good to see you. Thank you. Uh, always fun. John Blair, just a shout out, watching the show okay. this morning. Thank you, sir. So we got. Yeah, That's good. There's nothing like music, right? I mean, yeah. music, there's so much fun when, when there's music and there's dancing. And, and I guess the ability is true. Once in a while, it's like, you know, you go to, I mean, you've been to some venues, some weddings where you're sitting down for dinner, right? And mm -hmm. it's just blasting and you can't even hear the person next to you, right? So it's nice when you can basically then have those sets and you can listen, you can dance at your own you know, pace, sound, and exactly. And like I said, the only thing is, hopefully, your partner's dancing the same one. Although, so, my hey, wife and I, I we mean, dance. We dance, and it's like, we're I mean, dancing. I don't know. We're not dancing. According to uh, Mrs. Zerpy, our mom, you know, I'm dancing with you. You're at your own pace, anyway. You true. might it's as like, well be listening yeah, to different songs. Exactly. So. That's what she says. What I are mean, you doing? It's a yeah, I don't think step. it would have a practical change. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, 100. <laughs> percent uh, So, from one great guest. To another, we're really excited to welcome to the show this morning Brennan Gold. She's the president and CEO of Charlottesville Area Community Foundation, known for those who know it, CACF. Good morning, Brennan. Brennan. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's no, lovely pleasure. to be here. It's, it's great, great to have you on. So, I mean, always start for those who haven't had a chance to meet you yet. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how maybe you first got connected to CACF because I've yeah. known you for, for a while now. You've just uh, what do you say, rocketed it to the top of CACF uh, <laughs> being you. president and CEO now. Thank you. Well, I am uh, originally from Iowa. I'm an Iowa farm girl wow. and um, made my way to Virginia about 15 years ago okay. and um, I have found it to be home for me. And um, when I first joined, I'd had um, a background in uh, nonprofits and some government work for for brief time, um, but was really interested in, um, you know, how communities thrive and yeah. how, um, you know, they make their places, places where people can not only thrive, but want to stay, mm -hmm. uh, want to sort of, you know, um, really put down their roots and be. Exactly. And uh, I was really uh, excited um, by the Community Foundation as a real place that is dedicated to a particular place, mm -hmm. um, and in our case, the Charlottesville area, um, and uh, the opportunity to really um, make a difference here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So what, um, so what are some of the ways, I know CAC works with donors, individuals, families, foundations in different ways. What are some of the different ways for people who might just mistakenly think, oh, it's just one foundation yeah. and some yeah. one person funds it? What are the different ways that CSM works with different donors? Yeah, that's a great question. So the Community Foundation is a place-based funder, but we the way that we're structured is that we can um, partner uh, with families and individuals, even international bands, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> um, but philanthropists of all, um, you know, 
means, uh, size of means and, and interests uh, to really help fulfill um, you know, some of the philanthropic goals and also um, to partner together to make a difference in our, in our region. We also have funds that the foundation, uh, you know, donors have given over time that mm-hmm. the foundation directs um, to specifically target um, some real areas of need in our, in our area. Have you found, I mean, over the last few years, I mean, so, you know, we went through the pandemic, right? We're out of the pandemic. Have you seen the funding, you know, um, either, you know, grow or decline or, change, you know, maybe change? Yeah. Yeah. Directed. You know, we, uh, we are very fortunate to live in such a very generous community. Um, even over the f- more than 50 years that the foundation has been around, there's been such a, um, you know, a wealth of, uh, of generosity and giving that's happened and, and uh, happened through the foundation. I would say the pandemic actually in many ways accelerated um, the, uh, the, the generosity occurring in our community. Um, uh, we partnered uh, with others to, to lead a really important effort to, to meet needs, but, but outside of the foundation there was a lot of um, you know, um, giving that happened and a lot of volunteerism and, and, and efforts. And I would say that um, if anything in the field... Um, the, the way that philanthropy happen, happens is, is changing, um, and people are thinking a lot about how do we, um, how do we get, get closer and more proximate to those who are most impacted by right. some of the social issues that are mm-hmm. happening? Um, how do we really be in, informed and partner more closely with those who are really on the front lines experiencing for themselves um, you know, the impacts of housing and affordability in a, a community or right. um, challenges in the education system or in health care, um, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of ways that's really great for philanthropy. Um, the field can operate, it was great to be on the same show as Christy, who was talking about, you know, folks with their headphones on, really, you know, moving to the music in the ways that they that they want and to the songs that, that are, you know, meaningful to them, and philanthropy actually can happen a lot like that, uh, and that folks are, um, you know, directing their resources in ways that are that are meaningful to them. Right. Sometimes, though, that doesn't always add up to an environment mm-hmm. and conditions mm-hmm. that allow us to, to really have transformative impact on different issues. And um, one of the ways that the foundation is really trying to position ourselves, uh, along with many other partners, is, is, is really a catalyst for greater alignment, greater connection, mm-hmm. greater understanding about some of the issues and some of the ways in which um, they are playing out in our mm-hmm. community and affecting different communities um, so that we can have uh, a more lasting and, and deeper impact yeah. uh, as well. Yeah, because I think, I think the story is, is critical. In other words, when, you know, in the philanthropy space, I think the, the ability to tell the story of, of you know, this is where the funds are going, and this is the result. And 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 sometimes finding somebody to say, yes, I received the funding from CICF or whatever it may be, right? And say, here's how it helped me. I think those things, <clears throat> those things are very. Um, um, they, they help enormously uh, in really in to improve that because, you, you know, sometimes you always hear philanthropy, but it's like, okay, so where, where's the where money going, good? right? Yeah. And so when it is a local and it's community, you know, to be able to say, here's where those funds are going and here's how it's helping the community, I think it's, that's, you know, extremely helpful. Yeah, and I think another way that we're really um, – wanting to live into our, uh, I would say, kind of mandate and responsibility as a community foundation is how we use our position as an institution to um, kind of broaden who and, and shift a little bit who gets to be at the de- at the decision-making right. table, um, whose experience and voice is, in fact, shaping the ways that resources flow, um, you know, how partnerships happen. Yeah. And I think, um, particularly in our community, and I think we all learned this and saw this from the events of August 11th and um 11th and 12th, um, but but frankly have seen over time um, that, uh, you know, there's more work that we have to do to really bring in both black and brown community members and, and um, you know, community members with different abilities mm-hmm. as well to, to really make our place a, exactly. a much more inclusive and equitable region where everyone can thrive. Right, absolutely. absolutely. One get past the classic, I think the, the classic um, conundrum always with philanthropy was the person giving the funds might be so removed that you would sit there and say, all right, this is what I think community X needs. And community X might be, well, thank you, but I kind of didn't need that. I actually needed this. But even even though you may, your heart's in the right place and saying, I want to give to this community or I want to give to this cause, 
what you might think the cause needs, it always helps to then be informed and say, have someone like CAC working with you to say, all right, here's what we're seeing. Mm -hmm. You may be the the donor, right? But here's what we're seeing. Here's places where maybe your idea is already being replicated Mm -hmm. five times. So here's where you might be able to make an impact that the people of that community can have a voice and say in how they they actually may need help that you might not have thought of beforehand. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that's where lived experience Mm -hmm. is an expertise, (laughs) you know, that is is actually really critical to have Mm -hmm. um, at the table. Um, um, Not only sort of academic expertise or or, uh, or just, you know, new ideas, but Mm -hmm. but lived experience is really critical. Um, I'd also say that, um, you know, we were founded on a vision of our that was really rooted in our interconnectedness as a community that, you know, even though we might live in silos, we might, and I think increasingly kind of live in our own little bubbles where we don't really think about always our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, nonetheless, we are interconnected and interdependent mm-hmm. and the right. choices that we're making affect those around us um, and whether we see the, the results of that or not. And mm-hmm. I think particularly as a community foundation, because of how we're positioned, we do see a lot of that impact playing out in that interconnection and interdependence. And, um, and I think part of our work is about um, really um, both shining a light on that and, uh, and really driving towards solutions that are um, leveraging that, mm-hmm. that connection. Absolutely. Out of curiosity, from a, I, I think it was from a financial perspective, right, how do you balance, because obviously there's, the, there's a holistic aspect, that it's a community foundation that pulls together a lot of different resources and is targeted to our community as a whole, right? But then, of course, you're working with individual families or foundations or others who, who then come and say, here's, here's what I would like to do, and I need your help to do it because it's, it's difficult to just do this by myself, right? Or I don't have the time to create an entire foundation and run it and so forth. Yeah. How do you balance their individual kind of notions of what they'd like to do with your knowledge as an institution of a whole and saying, okay, what you'd like to do, six other people are already doing. Mm. How do you sort of balance that to keep it holistic but also obviously keep it somewhat to each family? Yeah, we... um we are. We have an outstanding team of, of folks who are, um, you know, in close relationship with all of our different fund holders. And um, and you're right that um, the ways in which uh, an individual philanthropist might want to have an impact could be through scholarships. It could be through, uh, you know, giving to certain nonprofits. It could be and and then giving in different ways and different amounts. And um, we do position ourselves to be philanthropic advisors and um, you know to be in conversation with those who mm-hmm. want a little learn a little bit more about their community want to you know they're they're committed to impact and effective um you know use of their resources so they want to hear what else is happening um we also have um you know very sophisticated donors too who uh have a very clear kind of vision for um how they want to flow resources and we're happy to support them in that um and then we have other uh donors who um you know they they have a particular cause or issue that is deeply you know um something they feel deeply connected to and we're able to support them. So our, our position and our, um, our, um, is kind of pleasure to an honor is to be able to work with different donors and 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 uh, help facilitate their needs mm-hmm. while also um, for those who are open kind of uh, share with them some new opportunities or ideas mm-hmm. or ways to partner with other philanthropists that um, can lead to some different impact that they may not have considered absolutely I'm just curious how, how does social media help you in that way because mm-hmm. I, I guess in the old days mm-hmm. I don't know maybe you had to do a lot of mailings maybe you went door yeah. by door <laughs> I'm not really sure um, but in today's world, is social media helpful, or, or is there still a certain, you know, donor base that you approach in a way that you yeah. again try to reach them and, and bring them in? Yeah, the that's a great question. I think um, we have aspirations probably for for leveraging social media much more than we currently are. But um, and and it's true we have a we have a very um, kind of mixed donor base, um, many of whom have been very uh, loyal, you know, and, right, and, and right. generous to the foundation for a long time, and which also is an older. Um, uh, donor base that uh, doesn't necessarily use some of the newer technologies, exactly. but um, but we um, you know we're we're finding that both that kind of one-on-one relationship work and some of the kind of other ways are also uh, complemented by 
social media and other tools, um, and also, you know, kind of reaching a, a next uh, generation. And I don't mean that meaning uh, sort of junior philanthropists, but really, you know, philanthropists in their own right who, um, you know, who are eager to approach philanthropy differently. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. What are some new things going on maybe at CACF yeah. if someone like, okay, has known about CACF and said, okay, what's, what's new? What are some new areas you yeah. may be looking into? What are some new initiatives that have come out in the last year or so or a few years yeah i would say in the last five years in particular in the last couple you know responding to different crises that have happened in our community we've learned a lot we've listened a lot we've heard a lot from our grant partners prospective partners different communities different donors about um you know what they're seeing and and what's important and um and also where there's challenge and i think for us um we are working hard to um, to really reimagine some of our grant making programs. Uh, this fall, we'll be rolling out some new programs, and um, we look forward to, to launching those and sharing more about those. But that are really uh, geared toward having very catalytic resources for our region, mm-hmm. um, including some different ways of thinking about um, grant making and investing, um, being more targeted in some of our um, some of our work as well, mm-hmm. uh, and working with uh, different communities. And um, and then we're also we are hiring now, which is also exciting. We're, we're glad to be growing um, and expanding Fantastic. our team. So, uh, you know, visit our website and, and look for those opportunities. And we also, again, as a community foundation, are eager to um, bring in different volunteers through our board service and our committee service as well um, as a way to also um, ensure we've got both community voice and also um, broader kind of perspective and ideas involved in, in the foundation. And which is awesome. I know you, I mean, CSF was one of the first really in 2017, 2018, to really look at why are we limiting, like, d- grants to only 501c3s. Mm-hmm. I know the Heal yes. Fund was one of yes. the first, probably in the country, that actually looked at the possibility of, well, what if someone has not had the time to structure, is doing good in the community, but has not had the time to structure a 501c3 organization yeah. with the board of directors and all this. So it's just always good to see, even now, five, six years later, still at the forefront of looking at new ways and new types of programming for the community. Thank you. Yes, we, you know, I think we are a group that is, uh, I would say, um, you know, striving to be entrepreneurial and, mm-hmm. and innovative in spaces where, where we can and where um, some of our kind of you know, traditional boundaries might um, might actually um, uh, be a barrier to us mm-hmm. having the impact and really um, connecting with with communities and solutions in the ways that we'd like. And so we're continuing that um, you know pursuit of not not only innovation for innovation's sake, but innovation for purpose mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Out of curiosity, in addition, so I mean, obviously, doing the work is a is a key component, right? Actually, you know, providing the grants and the funds and the programs to the community. How to, but one of the key aspects, of course, of CICF2 is that it, it's balancing that with also making sure that there's still some in the future. Mm-hmm. How, how do you talk to donors about, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I, what legacy. part of my, yeah, what part <laughs> yeah. of my uh, legacy do I want to have an immediate impact and what part do I want to make sure is having an impact 10, 20, 50 mm-hmm. years from now? How do yeah. you kind of balance that conversation? Yeah, and I, I think people are in different places around mm-hmm. perpetuity and legacy and um, sort of w- putting resources at, in action today and, um, and really addressing in a major way an issue today versus sort of um, waiting till later, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that that kind of balance of urgency but also legacy and kind of preserving resource is a, is a really important one where people come out in different places. Mm-hmm. And I think as a foundation, we are equipped and, and, and um, open to kind of balancing that with, mm-hmm. with different folks as they feel about it. I think increasingly, uh, and I'm seeing this in the field, there is a... a um, a call for more urgent action, mm-hmm. though, and I think there's a pacing of deploying resources um, in, in, in smart and catalytic ways, um, you know, with the right partners, the right experience around the mm-hmm. table, the right kind of design of solutions to really get at, um, you know, turning the corner on some of mm-hmm. what has felt like really intractable issues, but yeah. at times can really be because the resources aren't flowing in the ways that... Um, that they really need to be mm-hmm. uh, to get to, to really making a difference, and and I would um, you know I would say that uh, the for for yeah for different donors um, 
you know, there we have some donors who are very much planning to sunset, you know, their funds. They mm -hmm. they want to uh, deploy the resources in their lifetime. We have others who um, have set things up with some action now and also some, um, you know, something to, to leave to um, the next generation to continue to make an impact. And some of that is rooted in a, um, you know, just sort of the, the, the personal lessons that mm -hmm. come with mm -hmm. engaging in philanthropy and wanting right. to ensure that the next generation also has that opportunity. You know, I have to admit, it's just, you know, what you do is an extremely difficult job because I, I you know, there's that part of the job where you know you you provide the grants, you provide the help, and and that that feels makes you feel so good, and that's an easy part, right? I mean, easy in, in certain in the sense that you're giving, right? Yeah. But then from the other side, it's like you have to collect in order to be able to give, and that part I know has to you know you, you got to wear two work hats, right? And yeah. you have to work with so many different personalities and. And as you mentioned, it's, it's, you know, every single year, it's a new year, and you have to reach out, explain why you're doing this, explain where the funds are going, and so it's, it's got to be a, you know, a, a difficult uh, job that you do, I have to admit, you know. At times difficult, but definitely very rewarding. I'm and sure. I think, um, you know, when we, to your point earlier, when we hear stories of, um, you know, individuals who have... Uh, engage with something that we've, you know, supported or one of our fund holders has supported, um, and the difference that it's made. You know, it's 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 really all worth it for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, Brandon, always always so great to talk to you. I know I, I always learn so much, and always get inspired when when talking to you. It's been this way for. For as long as I've known you, so you. to be sure, where can people learn more about the foundation yeah. and and support its efforts? Yeah, thank you. Um, so our website is is the place to go. It's www.cacfonline.org. Um, we do have a Facebook page. It's uh, probably not as active as some other folks, <laughs> but um, but that is one place. And uh, yeah, we just um, and and reach out to our team. Uh, we're happy to engage with folks and uh, definitely look forward to involving as many people as we can. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you. We knew, we knew more Brennan's in our life. Absolutely. 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 But we're glad that you were here and in Absolutely. Charlottesville particularly. Thank you. Thank you. So thank yeah. you so much for Thanks. all you do. All right. Uh, always, always dead inspired when I talk to uh, always, Brennan. Yeah. Just, yeah. There's so much good work that is... Yeah, I mean, as, as being, as, as you know, as being a board member of the United Way, I mean, I just see all the work that goes into yeah. it. And it's, you know, the staff, what they do is just sometimes I say, wow, it's just, it's, it's just amazing. You know, no, I mean, like I said, it's, it's easy to give. It's like, you know, we're giving here, we're giving there. But that whole process of collecting, yeah. you know. And how, to, how to give and how to make it yeah, the most no, exactly. impactful. And, and, and I was going to say, and the second part is it's not just giving, but, I mean, make sure that where we give whatever has enormous impact mm -hmm. to as many people as possible. Exactly. You know? well, it's, and it's you just, I think you can't emphasize enough, like, how important it is. It's, <clears throat> as someone who's, like, started a nonprofit, it's a lot of work to, mm. even if you were charitably inclined to say, I'm going to do this all by myself. And it's so great to say, you know what, I can do a donor-advised fund, and CACF will take care of a lot of that administrative heavy exactly. work for you. Exactly. And also provide you their expertise to say, all right, here's a way that your cause can be, you can impact a cause you care about in, a, in the most efficient way or right. the best way or a better way yeah. that you might not have thought of before. So it's just really great. Fantastic to have them in uh, in our area. Absolutely. And it caring really about the area. Yes. Is key. Uh, Maggie Forniker, watching this morning. Thank you so much for joining us, Maggie. And so uh, last but certainly not least, as uh, we, we've been excited about this for a while, we are very happy to welcome to today, Manana, this morning, uh, Alex Schrader. He is the director of Tosca, for Tosca, that is playing for Charlottesville Opera uh, this very weekend on uh, tomorrow and Sunday. So, Alex, thanks so much for uh, coming on this You're morning. Welcome, no pleasure. Thank you for having me. No, dude, it's fantastic. We had your wife on yeah, last, last week, Daniela, yeah, yeah. and so now even though she didn't sing for us, week. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. And we get you on this week, so it's it's uh, it's great to have you here. For those who ha who have never met you before, don't follow you. Tell us maybe a little bit about your for yourself, and maybe your what was your first foray uh, into opera. Uh, so I was I was born into opera. My parents are both former opera singers, mm -hmm. and then they became um, opera teachers, music okay. administrators, wow. uh, on the academic level. And uh, and so I grew up with it. I was I was a theater brat. I was going to rehearsals and you know camping mm -hmm. out under dressing room tables <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, um, and so I have the advantage I would say of. Um, 
of feeling like opera is a very natural part mm. of life, of childhood, mm-hmm. which I don't think is typical necessarily. But I would recommend it very much. Uh, so then finally, you know, we all go through a rebellious stage mm-hmm. and I had sworn that I would make my own path and do anything but opera. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I had my rock band. Uh, I was going to be a high school choir teacher. That was my big dream, and uh, finally gave in uh, to the family business and uh, <laughs> and dedicated myself to singing, mm-hmm. to performing. Uh, so I've been doing that for about 20 years, and uh, then I started directing as a, as an alternate creative outlet, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, since then, honestly, since the pandemic shut down the opera industry completely, I've been sort of exploring, shall we call it, side hustles, mm-hmm. um, which are are fulfilling in ways that I hadn't predicted. And so, going forward, I'm trying to do many different forms of opera, but all all within the the umbrella art form of opera. Of opera Interesting. Yeah. Now, just, just out of curiosity, so what was the very first opera that you directed? The very first one I directed was Dido and Aeneas by mm. Percy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oldie, like, yeah. oldie but a goodie. One. That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a dramatic one. Yeah. From Definitely. And it's very short, so <laughs> there's that. <laughs> As opposed to some to the of the point. Wagners, which are yeah. very long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how did you, if you're asking, how did you get connected first with Charlottesville Opera? Uh, so, uh, my wife, whom you met, uh, mm-hmm. went to LSU with Leanne, who is the general director oh, of Charlottesville uh, Opera. Okay. And so, we've known each other for a while, and she heard that I was starting to direct and uh, just reached out, and our schedules worked out, and I was very grateful and happy to get the chance to come here for Tosca. Yeah. What's, it, what's it like to direct something like a production on the scale of, uh, of Tosca? Tosca, yeah. It's, a big, it's definitely the biggest production that I've directed. It's the biggest, sort of the grandest scale opera mm-hmm. that I've directed. Um, it's, uh, it's not unlike the other shows. You know, you, know you, you learn how to put a show together, and then it's just a matter of size. It's, uh, it's got the same pieces, but they're bigger and right. more. And uh, so I, I'm, first of all, I couldn't have done it without my cast. Um, uh, especially our, our two male leads, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Deagle and, and Todd Thomas, they are like uh, seasoned veterans, especially in these roles, so they brought a lot of experience to the table, which I didn't have. Uh, I never performed this uh, anything in this piece as a singer, and so I'm I'm new to the piece. Of course, we all know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I know the opera Tosca. <laughs> I know of it, um, and now I am uh, I'm. I'm in it. I'm I'm leading the ship, and uh, like I said, if if those two guys hadn't helped me, you know, well, you know, here's what here's what usually happens. You know, some stage experience, <laughs> yeah. some some boots on the ground type of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we might have had a, a different type of show, uh, but it's much better. <laughs> it's much better for so, their um, involvement. Absolutely. What goes into directing? To the directing piece, I think people questions. might, like, yeah, yeah, I think I people like, might know. Was... Okay, conductor, you know, yeah. waves his baton, the music <laughs> <Nice>. plays. <laughs> what does the director do? The director, um, I, my philosophy of directing is that it's my job to support the cast and anyone, anyone involved. So you know, it's not just the singers. You mentioned uh, the band and the conductor. Um, there's the set designer. There's the costumes. There's makeup. There's mm-hmm. also there's stage management. Right. There's so many different pieces, and it's my job as the director to give support to these various departments that they can do their best work. Mm-hmm. As as a director, I'm not asking them to please me. Yes, I'm, I might have a concept. I might have like. A, a collaborative first step that mm-hmm. I, you know, I want to start the conversation. But as a director, I want to make sure that everyone is able to do their best work. Okay. And I accept what they give me, and we work on that mm-hmm. collaboratively. There are some directors I've worked with directors who insist that they get what they want, what's in their head, what's in their vision. It's mm-hmm. so important to them, and I and I respect that. But for this production. Uh, we're very traditional. I went back to the book. I went back to the score and what Puccini wrote, not only in the music, but in the stage directions. And wow. so we're, you know, a lot of the work has already been done. It's already written. I just want to maintain what was sort of originally intended. Mm. Make sure that our modern sentiments are at least acknowledged because, you know, this was 123 years ago that, that it was composed. And it takes place 100 years before that. So, you know, <laughs> with all these different sort of 
points of view in history, including 2023, how can we make that all gel and mm -hmm. tell a story that still resonates with the modern audience? And so it's my job to get everyone on the same page mm -hmm. and then help them do their best work. Okay, so that so that's how I mean that that itself is is a challenge because there's one thing reading something that Puccini wrote and said, okay, let's go with it. But now, like you said, I mean that's took place 200 years ago. He wrote over 100 years ago, and like you have to say, I want to attract a different crowd, right? And it's right. like, how do I make that work today? And that right. that I mean that takes some talent. That and that that's why sometimes frequently directors will have sort of a a wild new take on an mm. old thing. They're trying to revamp it, trying to, you know, build it from the ground up. And that works a lot of the time. But for Puccini, for Verismo opera, I don't personally think that's necessary. I think it's interesting as sort of an experiment, mm. but I also think that there's something that makes this opera great. Yeah. There's something that has stood the test of time mm -hmm. and we don't need to mess with it that much. You know, so in fact, let's strip away the idea of altering it, of tweaking it. Let's actually go back to the basics and see how right. far we can get before we arrive at a necessary change. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is, and sometimes I feel like in today's world, that could be the most refreshing thing because sometimes you will see, this, you know, I'll watch some of the, you know, the Met operas that they put on the stream. You, you see so many, oh, excuse me, I lost my voice there for a moment. You see so many updated versions right. and changes or I saw Faust as a nuclear scientist and so forth, right? That at a certain point, what can be new and refreshing to say, oh, so this is how it, it might have looked when Puccini first performed it. Exactly. And I know uh, I, it's important to me to, to address you know, new audiences. So just imagine for a second that you've never seen an original version of an mm. opera. Your first experience is this updated new weird modern take on the opera well that's your first impression that's what you think the opera is but that's not mm -hmm. what it is that's not for the director you know the director theoretically has come from the old school and they have a new take mm -hmm. but for the for new audiences that new take is their first take right. yep. and so i think it's actually oftentimes a disservice to um to new audiences to have their first experience be this evolution mm -hmm. of the original yeah well, yeah, it's like a Shakespeare play, right? I mean, yes. most of the time you go see a Shakespeare play, you see how it was. They don't try to change it dramatically, mm -hmm. saying like, "Well, that just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't <laughs> fit." You look at it; that doesn't doesn't go well, mm -hmm. right? And, right? But if you see the traditional, so I, I agree. Sometimes, you know, the new the, they try to make it so modern that you go and you know, because I, I forget what ballet we also saw that I said. It's just it's doesn't feel but, like but, the one yeah. I, you know, like the one I had when I was a little kid. It's like what happened. So, right. Right. You, know. you have you, if you have a new take, you rely on the audience to have the same experience, the same knowledge mm, as you as the you as the director, right? And That's if they right. don't have that, then you're starting from square one, and, and it could go either way. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely, exactly. Absolutely. absolutely. Speaking of reaching new audiences, I know one of the really cool things you do. You've you've co-written a um, like a graphic novel of Carmen, which is a classic yes. classic opera. Yes. What what is kind of your take on ways to get a newer generation that hasn't grown up with opera really to to experience it or to approach it? Yeah. Um, okay. So I have another general philosophy, um, which is not to beg people to come to the opera. Don't say we promise this will be really good if you just just come. <laughs> you know, trust us. Come and see it. No. I instead. Um, I would rather translate opera into the preferred mode of communication, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever media that is. If it's comic book, if, if it's films, if it's something else, if it's a, you know, a podcast, a, a, radio, mm -hmm. a radio show, you know what I mean? Any, right, right, any right, type yeah. of content that isn't the live performance of opera, which might sound strange because the end game is to get people to come to the exactly, opera. Exactly. But uh, I think that if we reach out in a different way, in, in their preferred method, we'll hook them that way because mm. there's a better chance they'll absorb the content if we communicate on their terms. And then after they have familiarized themselves with the story, they'll say, well, okay, maybe I want to check that out in its original form. Maybe I, mm -hmm. I like this. I like graphic novels. What's Carmen? That's an interesting story. Oh, it's an opera. Maybe I'll go see that in the theater. You know, that's... Mm -hmm. yeah. no, you kind of no. have to go the other way, the opposite way, instead of 
promising that they'll love it, which they will. <laughs> but you know, we got to trick them to get into the theater. <laughs> no, that makes that makes a lot of sense because you know, I mean, you grew up with opera. I grew up because of because of my parents. I grew up with opera, right? But you know, how many children is like their parents didn't know anything about opera, maybe didn't like it, and therefore they never were ex- you know they never had the opportunity to experience it, mm-hmm, right? right? So so that's what you want. In other words. You know, listen, there's going to be people that don't like it. Sure. Right? There's, there's people that don't like classical music, and there's other people that just love it, right? But what you want to do is introduce them to that so that they see it and they can say, oh, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll take a shot and go there. And maybe in the end they say, eh, didn't like it. But at the end, there may be others like, wow. That's right. This is no really idea. good. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. So, well, it reminds me of when Lord of the Rings movies came out in 2001. The butch sales spiked. Right. And if you had just begged... Uh, middle school kids, yeah, read this 900-page, three-volume novel called The Lord of the Rings right. that's split up in t- different it's sections exactly, and, it's, yeah. and it's told not told in chronological order. They would have been like, no, thank you. I'm not reading some 1920s guy version. Right. But you show them a movie, they get hooked on the story, and then they all went out and you got all these middle schoolers and high schoolers to read Exactly, a book that they, never in a million years would they have read otherwise. Right. So you you reach them there because mm-hmm. it, it really operates as a unique art form in that yeah. it combines music, singing, theater, acting, yeah. theater, yeah. drama in a way that you you pretty much don't see. I mean, oh, in, right, an, yeah. in other mediums, yeah. right? Typically, no amplification, mm-hmm. right, for the voices. So you know, this, these are human bodies making this That's sound yeah. that travels that yeah. you can feel on your skin. You know, like like That's right. these That's people exactly are right. making incredible sounds, yeah. and it's happening right now live. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. while you're sitting there, so you can't you yeah. literally and, and like can't you said without amplification because today's worlds are all using this little thing here, and then yeah. mm-hmm. sounds like they have a great voice. But these, that voice, they yeah. open their mouth and it yeah. just fills the room. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, and so what you do is, you know, you get people in, you get them to, through a story or some aspect of that, and then say, the full thing is even more. Yeah. That's right. And then you go and you experience the whole thing for the first time, and you're like, that is impressive. Especially if I think in a day and age where we're so used to seeing, like, our pop stars, and the mic is, like, glued yeah. Yeah. to their lips, to be able to see people sing and say, they have nothing. I mean, that yeah, exactly. that is... That's our the natural voice. voice. Yeah, that's right. It's it's, a, it's the experience. You yeah. know, you, yeah. you go you go you go for the overall experience. Yes, there's good music, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, there's the the drama. The storytelling is happening, but it's the event, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the magical experience of what's happening to you mm-hmm. in that that's, moment. Yeah, that's, that's a good Absolutely. point. Yeah. How, when that experience happens, how do you... Because obviously the highlight is going to be always the, the people, the singers, right? The performers. How do you as the director add to I mean, Nick um, had gone to the dress rehearsal yesterday and he, he, his review was like, do you need, do you need to do I was already doing, but like, he was like, you need to go. And I'm like, I already have tickets. <laughs> um, and he said one of the things that most impressed him was the lighting. Just oh, how the drama of it and yeah. how it would change. How do you kind of balance those accoutrements, those things you add to really highlight maybe certain points or story with letting the the performers kind of shine. Sure. So we have a lighting designer, Barry Steele. He's mm-hmm. doing lights. He's also doing projections because our, uh, so we're at the Paramount and the depth of the stage is, is not ideal mm-hmm. for opera, especially an opera like Tosca, which is big. Um, but that's not to say that we're not very successful in our production. Mm-hmm. Barry has through forced perspective and and beautiful images you you feel like this set and the stage is huge it's enormous it lo- it feels enormous mm-hmm. and um it's you know it's his part of his expertise to once i once i sort of set the traffic pattern as mm-hmm. a director and say you stand there you stand there the singer says i don't want to stand there i said okay <laughs> let's talk about it <laughs> um no I'm, I'm joking that's a joke we you know we figure out where the singers are going to stand and then the lighting designer comes in and highlights mm-hmm. not only um so that they're illuminated well and everyone can see what's happening but also telling the story uh dramatically for mm-hmm. you know for example the character scarpia who's like the villain when he comes on the stage, the lights drop down because he's sort of sucking the energy out of the room. Or when he gets really fired up, he's, he's kind of a, um, 
uh, I don't know what, what, what's your audience level. He's he's lusty. Mm, yeah. yeah, he's 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 he yeah. likes to experience things of the flesh, and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so when he gets going, <laughs> then maybe the lights come up in a sort of sinister way, you know. And all of that visual storytelling is done by our guy Barry and uh, and his his years of experience in that, and uh, he, he amplifies the whole the whole show. Yeah. Now, do you do you ever get in the middle of, let's say, the conductor is 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 telling the singers, you came in too early, or you're doing this? Does that ever happen? And do you ever have to come in and say, okay, let's let's try to work on this? Um, yeah. Well, so not not in not in this show. Um, there have been some sort of crossroads where the what's happening on stage, the physical movement needs to um, be coordinated with the music. Mm-hmm. So either you know. We, we ask the music to wait until we do this dramatic beat, or in fact, we listen to the music and so we hurry up the physicality of what's okay. happening. You know, so it's mm-hmm. always absolutely in tandem. We're we're on the same ship. We're on the same train. You know, because once you start, <laughs> you don't want to stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and um, Brian Damaris, our conductor, has just been a breeze, a joy to work with. You know, we have not had any sort of, across the board, we have not had creative differences. And I think that's uh, really special. I think you always risk, you know, you bring a lot of chefs in the kitchen. You don't know what's going to happen. But we've all just, we've gotten along really, really well. Uh, Should be fine, I think. (laughs) And uh, um, we're telling the same story, musically and on Mm, the stage. Which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, so uh, Nick uh, let me know the uh, he was particularly impressed. I guess there's a torture scene, and I want to spoil too much for who's torture, but Torchy uh, yeah. and uh, Visidarte were particularly impressive. He was telling me also he felt like he really was there, like in Castel Sant'Angelo and these key places yes. that were parts of the the opera take place. He yeah. was definitely feeling with the projection that he was there, which is yes. a great a great aspect of it. We want we want to. We want people to forget they're watching an opera, which is weird because people are singing, right? That's not a natural thing. People don't start singing. You know, you know that's, we watch a movie, nobody's like bursts into song. Or if right, they right, do, right. it's really strange, <laughs> yeah. right? But eventually we want people to forget that, that these characters are, are singing mm. and um, draw you into those locations, yeah. to the drama of what's happening, to the, to the um, sympathetic mm-hmm. experience of the characters. Yeah, so it's that's great. It's, it's a great thing. It's just, a, and I've loved talking with you and just learning like yeah, kind of the, the, like, yeah. what goes into that. It's just it, it, you see this fantastic performance on stage, and you you know, it, you have to sort of step back and realize how much, how many moving parts and great talent and a lot of effort goes into making it happen. And so we appreciate. You're coming here and helping make it happen. Yeah, hey, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy. You know, so before we let you go, um, I, we, so Tosca, obviously, tomorrow evening at 7.30 yeah. um, p.m., so Friday, Friday the 14th, 7.30 p.m., Sunday the 16th, 2 p.m., you can still get tickets, uh, charlottesvilleopera.org, uh, theparamount.net. Would really encourage you to, to do that because you never know. I mean, they might all be done. They might all be done in the next twenty four hours, or this interview might have sold them all out. Yes. So, um, but where can people find out more about you or and and follow you? Um, I'm not so active. Uh, you don't I, have to. I I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. It's just you know my name is my handle. You have to spell it right. A l e k s h r a d e r. And uh, I occasionally I'll post something. I don't know. I guess I'm private guy I, I don't know I'm kind of disappointed in the way Twitter went it used to be my thing but we'll find something else yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely so, be, so I would trade we can follow you where will you be next out of curiosity what's um, next next we'll, we'll be in San Francisco for a while uh, and we bop around as as the gigs arrive, exactly. they live nomadically. There you go. There you go. The life of opera. Yeah. The life of opera. Well, Alan, it's been an absolute Absolutely. pleasure. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks so it's much been, for coming yeah, out today. It's been a lot of fun. It's been so great. And educational. Yep. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, so this has been a fantastic always. show. Always. Uh, it always is. It always yeah. is. Uh, Sydney Chitalos, thanks for watching this morning. Noah Jimenez says, kind of regards. Saludos cordiales. So we got thanks for everyone, really, the comments, the questions today. Really, really appreciate it. 
I appreciate being here with you. Same here. It's always, always. a pleasure. Uh, next week, we will be missing you, David. But Michael will be on with me. Michael will be Michael here. Will be Michael will be joining me. We're going to interview Mark Cruz from Toad Shop, S-H-O-P-P-E, um, as well as Anahi Hernandez from Anahi Beauty is going to be joining us. So some great entrepreneurs from the community coming on here, and we'll be interviewing them, as always, here on Today Manana. Um, always appreciate Judah behind the camera, making it all work out, the I Love Seville Network set. Um, of course, our great partners, Charlottesville Opera, Credit Serious Insurance, Matias Sion Realty, Castle Hill Cider, Forward Adelante, presented by Emergent Financial Services. Thanks, Xavier. Yeah. And just to thank me, so Judah's in charge of sound, lighting, video, um, the magic hand that he's, comes behind. He's our director, basically. Director, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's the director of this highly dramatic opera without singing. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness, yeah. No, we wouldn't. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure we would have uh, the viewership we do if we, you and I sang. I, I don't think so either. Um, so, but uh, always appreciate all the work that goes into this behind the scenes. Nidalee Serpi for getting us all our fantastic yes, guests. Yes, absolutely. And be sure to check out Charlottesville Opera, Tosca, 14th and 16th this weekend. It will be it will be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. And looking forward to seeing you all next week. Thanks again for the questions, comments. Be sure to like and share. Send us any people you think we should interview. There's so many great entrepreneurs in our community. Let us know, and uh, we will have them on. We will feature them. Uh, looking forward to seeing all of you next week. But until that time, as we like to close it out on the show, hasta mañana. <laughs>